it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 272. Before we dive into the show, I need to pass along a little information for you. So we, for the next few months uh, at the Investing for Beginners podcast, are going to conduct a listener survey to help us get to know you, your interests, and what you guys think of the show. So please support the podcast by taking our short questionnaire. You can find it at surveymonkey.com backslash r backslash airwave. And yes, I will put that in the show notes. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback will help us improve our show as well as find new sponsors who are actually interested in you. Uh, there's even a place at the end to tell me anything that you want. So it has a cool little box. And as a way of saying thank you, our sponsor will include you in an entrance to a $500 gift card from Amazon if you take the survey. So again, that's surveymonkey.com backslash r backslash airwave to find the survey or look at our show notes. So with that, we will go ahead and segue into our show for today. So Andrew and I thought that this would, well, actually Andrew thought this would be a great idea to talk about some bear market therapy. Maybe we could talk a little bit about how some people may be struggling with losses the market being down and kind of how you can deal with that. And the last thing is Andrew's back. 
So yay, we have Andrew back. So he's back today, back from his uh, adventures. So he's here with us today. So Andrew, thanks for coming back to us. We appreciate it. And I guess let's dive in and talk about bear market therapy. Happy to be here. Thanks for the warm welcome. To me, you know, when I look at investing and you zoom out and you look at what's really important with investing, it's probably 80% behavior and maybe 20% numbers or formulas or anything else that you want to think investing's about. So for me, I mean, I use numbers a lot. And so for me, numbers are like 100% because the numbers will drive my behavior. But obviously, that's not everybody. And so when we have a bear market, we really need to look at our behavior and figure out ways to make our behavior better so that we'll have better results. And I know coming from experience that when you see losses in your portfolio can be very discouraging. And so to respond to those losses, I think you need to be able to kind of show that, hey, it's okay, this stuff happens. And if you can pull yourself out of feeling disappointed or feeling afraid of you don't know what's going to happen with your portfolio, if you can do that, you'll be a much better investor rather than being somebody who feels depressed about their portfolio. And it's easy to feel that way if you're looking at your portfolio and everything's red. Yeah, exactly. So how... Like when you think about your portfolio, is that something that you check on a regular basis? Like, do you check it daily, weekly, monthly, every six months? Like, how often do you kind of update your portfolio and where it is? I check in pretty much every day. Okay. But I don't struggle with feeling bad if I see it down, but I can relate with feeling bad if you do see it down. Mm-hmm. Do you? How often do you look at your portfolio and do you feel bad when you see red? I check in, boy, you know, it goes in spurts. Some days or some weeks, I may check it every day. And other times, I may check it once a week or even maybe ever a couple weeks. Sometimes I get so wrapped up in other things that I'm doing that I kind of forget about it. And I don't check in. And mostly it's because I just don't really care about the inner day goings on of what's going on. And no, I, I don't really get bummed when I look at it. I, I see it and I see maybe the, you know, the portfolio is down or the market's down or maybe the companies that I own are down. And I don't like it, of course, but I don't, I guess I'm able to kind of detach from it. And I think that's kind of what we were talking about earlier is we, both of us seem to have this ability to kind of detach from that. Do you feel like that's something that you do too? I do. But I've had times in my life where I was not able to detach very well. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this. Because especially if you're first starting out, like if you're an investor and you're like, hey, let me check out the stock market in late 2021, that's a really bad time to check out the stock market. And so if you start picking stocks or you start buying an index fund or whatever you are doing to try to be market and you see that, hey, I thought when you invest, it's supposed to go up, not down. You might start to think that you're not good enough or you know you don't know enough. And that's not necessarily the case because of the cycles of the market. Have you been in a situation where you felt like you weren't able to detach or was it something you kind of picked up immediately? I think a little both. When I first started investing, I remember when I first bought my first stock Microsoft, I literally looked at it probably five or six times a day for many weeks. 
And then when I started buying other companies, I noticed that I would still look at it daily, maybe twice daily, but I started lessening the amount that I'd look at it. And I also noticed that at the beginning, I would notice that my moods would kind of sway with how well the first few companies that I bought were doing versus not doing. And then gradually, I guess over time, I just kind of detached myself from it because I was, for the a large part of it, I wasn't really, I guess I had this mindset or mentality that I really wasn't going to sell it unless I really absolutely had to. And so I guess my, my detachment came from my mental idea of that, Hey, I'm, I bought Microsoft. I'm not giving it up and I'm just going to hold this despite what happens. And I guess the more I learned, the more I felt like that was probably the right way to go. But at first I did experience the ups and downs for sure. Have you ever felt disappointed about your results in the market? Where oh, yeah, made you want to quit? <laughs> uh, no, it never made me want to quit. But yeah, of course I was disappointed. When I first started out, I had chosen some companies and uh, let's just say I had chosen poorly <laughs> with some of the other investments that I'd made. Microsoft did really well. The second company I bought was, it was Activision. And that actually uh-huh. went went up to the right, like immediately after I bought it, I bought it like, I want to say 26 bucks a share. And within a month or two, it was over 50 or 60 bucks. It was just huge. But the other two companies that I bought were not so great. One was Sierra Wireless. Uh, I don't even know if they're even still public. And the other one was Westport, I think it was. It was a hydrogen container. It was like a hydrogen company, a company that made hydrogen engines for trucks. And that did terrible. So did Sierra Wireless did terrible. Like, you know, 80% drops kind of bad. And um, I remember thinking that at first that, hey, this stock market thing is super easy. And then once those other companies started to not do so well and Activision kind of came back to earth rather quickly, that really kind of not soured me, but made me think, okay, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be and I'm actually going to have to do some work here. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. 
create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Makes sense. I mean, if I look back, there's definitely been times where I felt disappointed. And sometimes that can be good because it can lead you to what you are saying exactly where you basically... You recognize, hey, I need to do some more work on this. I need to learn more about this. I feel like that's a good, healthy way to look at it. On the flip side, you know, maybe I'm standing on an island here, but I think sometimes you can get wrapped up in the whole game of the stock market and maybe not even realize you're doing it. And I wonder if during a bear market, and what's great is uh, we're recording this. And it won't go live for a couple of months. So for all we know, we'll be a way past market, the bear market. Right? And this will be more stale than the milk in my fridge. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty stale. <laughs> but I think sometimes you can get attached to what's going on and it can affect your moods. So when I had some extra income, we were talking about this, I think on Jordan's show. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, this is way more money than I'm used to. So why don't I you know, use it to make more money in the short term, kind of like a cash management. So I looked into options trading and I started, depending on how you look at it, it's either the best time or the worst time to start options trading. It was March, 2020. Um, You don't have to be a historian, I don't think, to realize why that would be a really good or bad time. But the market crashed and it was a terrible time to be selling Theta and being long those positions. And that's what that was. And I remember being wrapped up in it and knowing, like, kind of as I was in it, like, knowing that this isn't productive, this isn't doing much for me, and yet, you know, still participating because it's such an exciting thing to see. You know, if the stock market goes up one or two percent, these options are going up or down 10, 50, 100 percent. Like, it's crazy. And it can be a, just a, like a really big time sink. So I remember not being able to spend at night because something would come up as, like, what was the big news event this night? And then how is that going to affect the pre-market trading the next day? So I was literally losing sleep, getting wrapped up in this. And eventually I learned the lesson that, okay, obviously this isn't for me. And I think to kind of catch yourself if you're in a position like that, especially during a bear market, especially where if you're checking every day and you're thinking, well, I'm putting all this effort in, but it's continuing to go against me then there's, I think, better ways to manage it. And I don't know if we've talked about like detaching yourself from the stock market, but that could be very useful for somebody who maybe feels attached. And I think it's only natural when you're learning something new to get really excited about it. 
mm-hmm. and you can get really wrapped up in it. But if you're wrapped up in it and you're associating it with, I'm losing money every time I'm wrapped up in this, then it can become unhealthy. And maybe that's something you can manage and it doesn't mean the stock market's a bad thing. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. No, it definitely is not a bad thing. And I think one of the hardest parts of investing and learning investing is learning how to manage your emotions. And I think you you said early on in our conversation that emotions play such a big part in what and how we invest. And so as somebody that maybe struggled with that, especially during your options phase, like how did you learn to, I guess, detach? Like, was there some trigger that caused you to go, okay, I have to detach from this? Or is that something that's just more of a, a way that you're built? And so you've just learned to, it's just something that you just kind of do naturally. Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's hard to look back with hindsight exactly and like, what was that moment? Right. But, Definitely having lost, you know, thousands of dollars and being like, okay, I get to write this off for taxes, but <laughs> for a couple Not of years, what I was looking forward to <laughs> for a couple of years. But I was like, wow, I could have, you know, gone on a vacation or put it to our student loan. Like that can really suck. I don't remember if there was like a particular moment, but I do know there are a few things that I would tell my former self and maybe it's not a complete thing because for me i i eventually realized like options is just not for me and it's like you almost remember why oh yeah this is why i invest in the long term because this provides me with positive feelings and this other thing really sucks (laughs) right but you know if you're buying and selling stocks for the long term and you're still dealing with not being able to detach from it I think that there's a couple of things that you can do that I've written down that maybe can help you because you do want to still be in the market. You don't want to quit the market like I quit options trading, but you still might struggle with getting down, sucked down these rabbit holes that really aren't doing anything for you. If anything, are draining your energy and draining your well-being, which will lead you to be a bad investor if it leads you to make bad decisions. So the first one I have here is deleting any bookmarks that are not letting you detach. So a good example would be if you are like using the watch list on Yahoo Finance and you use a bookmark to go click on that and see how your stocks are doing second by second, minute by minute. Or if it's the stocks app on your phone, whatever that is for you, just delete the bookmark. It's not to say I'm never going to go on there again, but it's to give you that you don't have this quick reflex to hit the bookmark and then find yourself sucked up in this time sink that's really not helping you do anything. Mm-hmm. That would be, I guess, the first thing I would do. I would probably throw out there, in addition to that, if you have a running stock ticker on your computer at work, make that go away. <laughs> that sounds like somebody uh, with experience doing that. Yeah, that'd be me. <laughs> yeah, make that go away. That will be super distracting and that will not help your mood if that is something that you struggle with. Mm-hmm. So I would do that. And then this one might sound kind of counterintuitive or, you know, well, why would I do that? But any anything that's getting you sucked into the news cycle about finance investing, 
So that could be even like, I love the Wall Street Journal. But if it's if you have a bookmark to the Wall Street Journal and you're finding yourself sucked in and reading a lot of fluff instead of something that's of substance, create a barrier to that too. And you know whether that's even, it could be something like Facebook too, where sometimes if you're on Facebook and people are publishing about politics or money or the Fed or the economy, whatever, we should know that stuff isn't necessarily helpful for you making decisions for your investments for the long term. So if you're, again, finding yourself super emotionally attached to, to checking up on what's going on around you, just don't. Just cut the noise out and put those barriers up so you can still, every once in a while, go in there, but it's not easy to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that can help. I can think that can really help a lot of beginning investors. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great ideas. And I think if you look at Uncle, Char- Uncle Charlie and, and Uncle Warren, that's in essence what they've done by living where they are and doing what they do because they've detached themselves from Wall Street. You know, Warren is in Omaha, Nebraska. That's about as far away as Wall Street you can get. And he, I think he did that for a reason because he wanted to seclude himself from the rat race and everything that could distract him from investing. He comes across as a very sane, rational person, but maybe he's not. And maybe that's what he realized about himself because he did live there for a period of time. And so maybe that's what he decided was better for his investing career and his sanity was to move to a place like Omaha to remove some of those temptations from himself. So I think, you know, the ideas that you're, you're talking about are a great way to do it. Some people are going to be more naturally inclined to be able to detach themselves, but there's going to be other people that may struggle with this. And I think figuring out tricks and tools to help you detach from that will help you stay in the market longer. Because the worst thing that can happen is you get you get depressed and bummed out about how things are going that you sell out and you just never partake in in one of the best ways to grow your wealth for you and your family. And that would be a shame. Everybody has losses. Uh, Even Warren Buffett has companies that don't do well. And he's seen drawdowns in Berkshire Hathaway over 50%, I think three or four times in his career. And it's, it's a normal part of the process. And you're, we're not all going to, A, we're all not going to hit it right with every single company that we pick. And number two, they're not all going to go up to the right. <laughs> some may go down, some may go down a lot, some may go just sideways, some may go up a little bit and then come down. I mean, there's just so many ways to do it. And I think that understanding your mental frame of mind and your decision making can can be really, really, really helpful. And I guess also understanding your weaknesses and why you can how you can try to create, you know, in essence, barriers or speed bumps. Like our, our friend Andy, he doesn't put a trading app on his phone, so he can't make impulsive decisions. I do the same thing. I have it, you know, I can only buy and sell stocks on my computer. And it just makes it easier to resist that temptation. You see something on CNBC and go, oh, I got to buy this, you know, or oh my God, I got to sell. And you can resist that a lot easier if you have barriers to yourself. I think the idea of understanding yourself and learning to step away from things, if it's not something that comes naturally to you, I think is a very, very smart way to go about doing it. And I think the two ways you mentioned, I think are great. I'll throw out, so we threw out some speed bumps. Let's throw out a different route too. So again, if you're new to a hobby or passion, I feel like it's easy to get wrapped up in it. So why not, instead of checking, you know, doom scrolling your portfolio, why not create bookmarks to like 
let's say like a Google sheet where maybe you have like a to-do list of, I'm going to learn about these five companies. You know, I'm going to read these five annual reports. I'm going to do a super deep industry dive on these three industries. Stuff that's actually going to help you as an investor. That's actually, you'll feel good after you do it. You'll become smarter after you do it. And that information is evergreen. So you can use that. Maybe you do find a good investment in there, or maybe you don't, but maybe you you have that information and later on it becomes a good investment. So instead of wasting however much time you did on feeling bad about stocks being down, you can use that instead and use all that new passion and energy towards things that will actually make you a better investor. Mm-hmm. And it'll give you all the dopamine you want without any of the negative side effects of you know feeling bad. And it kind of shifts your mindset away from what happened in the market today to what can the market do for me in the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe even add a couple books on like a to-do list to, to be like, I'm going to use this time. I'm going to use a bear market. I'm going to use a red day to make myself better instead of feel bad about losing thousands of dollars. I think that's a great insight. And I, I love that idea of maybe turning the, the doom and gloom into something that could be more positive and more productive and I think that's a, a great way to think. And, you know, one of the things I like about the market is there's always something new to learn and there's always something new to embrace. I was taking a look at a DevOps company for Twitter called Datadog. And when I first started reading about it, I'm like, I have no idea what this is. And, but instead of getting depressed about it, I just made a list of like all the different terms that they talk about in their financials. And then I started literally Googling them. And trying to figure out what these mean. What does this mean? I don't know what this means. Because that's just not something I, I normally do. So instead of being negative about it, I just tried to learn something about it. And will I ever invest in the company? Probably not. But it's more information I can use in the future. And it's like Andrew said, it's evergreen. And it's something that will compound upon something else that I may be interested in in, in the future. And it's, you know, that uh, to me, I think that's one of the things that I like about the stock market is it's endlessly fascinating. And you just look at the history of it. You just look at all the characters that are involved and all the different companies that are involved and everything that goes into it. There's a lot to learn and it's a never ending learning experience. And I take some solace from guys like Charlie and Warren that are 99 and 91, 92 respectively, and they're still trying to learn. And, you know, me at 56, I'm still, I got a long way to go. (laughs) Uh, that's really a great mindset to have this learning, to treat it like a learning experience instead of treat it like I'm winning or losing. Mm. You know, we've been doing this for so long. It's been what, six, seven years on the podcast. Yeah. Over 10 years of investing for me. So having the curious mindset makes a lot of sense to me, but I don't think it, it's necessarily natural. So if you're facing losses, if you're facing, this feeling that like, man, I just can't figure this stock market stuff out. If you're feeling overwhelmed or intimidated, I would just encourage you that the more you learn, the better you'll get. Having the right mindset and doing some practical things can help you turn the negativity of stocks that are down into something that's more positive over the long term. And I just wanted to share this since it is therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a quote. It says, 
lift up your eyes, discourage one. When you feel like giving up, when they say it can't be done, it's up to you to show them why they're wrong. That's actually from the great band called Memphis. It's actually Memphis May Fire. Cool. So take that with you and don't get discouraged and don't be intimidated. You can do it. Yep, you absolutely could. All right. No, great, great words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing those. All right. Well, with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation for today. I hope you enjoyed our bear market therapy. And like Andrew said, if it's a bull market, just keep in mind at some point it will be a bear market again. So <laughs> you can use all these, use all these ideas and different strategies to help you whether the market is up or down, because we will have, we will have days where we're discouraged and you can work through them. So the things Andrew was sharing with us, I think are great insights. So with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our show. Last thing I wanted to say was, uh, once again, I guess, please support the podcast by taking our short listener questionnaire. You can find it at surveymonkey.com backslash R backslash airwave, or you can click on the link in the episode notes. That'll help us out a lot. We would appreciate it if you take a few minutes to, to take a look at that. And with that, I will go ahead and wrap us up. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety, Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.